Welcome to Rose Tinted, a podcast where we challenge the limits of our nostalgia by re-examining some of our favourite childhood movies. I'm Ollie Chip. And I'm Paddy HK. And today we will be discussing Twister. So yes, hello and welcome to Rose Tinted. Um, before we get started, as always, I just wanted to give the uninitiated some background info about this podcast. So Ollie and I are old friends who decided to make a list of our favourite childhood movies so we can revisit them one by one and see if they still hold up to scrutiny. Some loose rules for our selection process, the movies have to bear some kind of significance to our childhood or early adolescence, and we try to only select movies that we have not watched since that time. So with that in mind, Ollie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Twister? So Twister is a disaster movie released in 1996. It was directed by Jan de Bont, who is famous for doing the speed doing the speed uh, (laughs) maybe i mean i don't want to slander the guy but you know it's perfectly possible um but yeah he directed speed and speed 2 he was also the cinematographer for die hard that makes a lot of sense in a weird way it does yeah and and you know die hard's one of the greatest action movies ever if not the greatest um so he's you know he's got a reasonably decent back catalogue of films speed far more successful critically than twister was yeah that also does not surprise me (laughs) yeah i mean speed's got a certain um vintage to it hasn't it whereas this film maybe not so much um it was made on a budget of 90 million roughly which Mm -hmm. you know given the gratuity of the special effects i think is reasonably modest Mm -hmm. but it grossed as you probably won't be surprised nearly 500 million so i think to date this one is maybe the most profitable movie we've looked at really i think so oh wow um, yeah, so nearly 500 million, which is, yeah, a substantial profit, really. And it stars Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton as the two leads, and an interesting sort of pseudo cameo from Philip Seymour Hoffman. So, yeah, that that's, that's sort of the cast. Nothing really to say about the cast, really. Like, other movies we've looked at, we've had a little bit more to get a hold of, but, you know just sort of average sort of average 90s cast isn't it yeah it's nothing to write home about what i love as well is that bill paxton (laughs) plays a character called bill i know i reckon it was a a clause in his contract he's like yeah i'll do the movie but i can't be bothered to remember another name so you have to call me by my actual name (laughs) yeah it's just like keep things simple movie keep things simple um so why don't you tell us a little bit about the plot of the movie so after the tragic loss of her father to a savage storm joe harding dedicates her life to chasing tornadoes and recording their activities Along with her ragtag bunch of meteorologists and her ex-husband-to-be Bill, Joe endeavours to launch a new prototype tornado tracking device, Dorothy. But chasing storms has its dangers and Joe will have to put more than just her own life at risk if she wants to overcome the challenges of mapping the very extremes of deadly weather. Yeah, that's brilliant. Really, really, really good synopsis, actually. Thank you. And the one sentence one. Blonde children hide in bunkers from the wind whilst people demonstrate how resilient Chevy trucks are. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, also a pretty accurate summary. My one sentence summary would be meteorologist X's eye fuck each other in front of their partners. <laughs> um, so, Twister, why is it on the list uh, for you, Paddy? Well, as a kid, I had a certain fondness for disaster movies. So, Day After Tomorrow, Independence mm. Day, Titanic, they were movies that I revisited quite a bit in my childhood and there's something about peril on such a grand scale that 
is appealing. Mm. In terms of Twister specifically, we never really revisited that movie. So prior to today, I'd only seen it the one time and I remembered very little. However, I do remember that for some reason, the videotape was like a totally ubiquitous presence in every single household <laughs> I ever went into. Like everybody had a VHS copy of it on their shelves, but nobody ever talked about it or suggested <laughs> watching it. So, so my memory association with it is more tied to the cover image on the video case than the film yeah. itself. Just everyone has just a token copy of Twister on VHS. It's, it's so random, isn't it? I don't, I don't know why. And it's probably nobody ever watched it because it's got such a fucking boring case and a boring title. They should have called it like Storm Chasers or like Storm Safari or something. Well, I know that there there is actually a TV series, like some crappy American one called Storm Chasers. And you're right, oh. it's, it's a far uh, snazzier title, isn't it, than Twister? You'd think that the the video case would be super self-explanatory, right? But I remember looking at it and being like, I'm not really sure what this is going to be about and it's not really enticing <laughs> me to watch it. But I did I did watch it once. The scenes that I actually remember, I remembered the prologue where Joe's father dies. So in the prologue to the movie, it shows that her dad gets killed by a tornado, which is sort of the thing that spurs her on to become a meteorologist. Just to interrupt you there as well, like, did you know that at the time of watching it when you were younger? Because only watching it now did I really realize that those two things were linked like i had no idea that the kid in that prologue is actually the protagonist of the rest of the film i think i did know that when i was younger i can't really remember but either way i remember that scene because it's one of the only scenes in the entire movie that contains any actual like emotional weight <laughs> i also remember the infamous flying cow scene yeah obviously obviously what about you why did the movie make the list for you I mean, it was sort of like you can't really separate the 90s from the prolific nature of disaster films. Sure. And actually, weirdly, of all of the ones that you listed, this was the only one that had any sort of resonance with me when I was younger. Mm. I don't think I watched Independence Day more than maybe once when I was a kid. The same with Day After Tomorrow wasn't really my bag, but this one for some reason. It might be because, you know, like you said, everyone has a copy of it. So it's like, oh, the kids are bored. Let's just lob this movie on to shut them yeah. up for two hours. So I think that's probably why it's the one that resonates with me most mm. um but again i didn't really remember much obviously the cow flying through the air scene sticks vividly in your mind iconic yeah for i i don't know for good or bad reasons but it's <laughs> it's there in my brain but i remember there being a red truck yeah and that being sort of like a focal point for a lot of the dialogue weirdly was the red truck and also those weird ball bearing things that come out of the weather machine uh, mm -hmm. near the end i remember that but i can't really remember much about the actual story and narrative or any of the characters but i'm i guess i'm okay with that because that's what disaster movies are right they're not really designed for you to have a deep sympathy with the characters or with the situation it's more just to marvel at the destruction and the scale of the destruction yeah it's about the spectacle exactly and um i'm all right with that i suppose but yeah i didn't really remember much other than some a few sort of fleeting vivid images well that's actually something sort of like that you've touched on there that i think is actually quite interesting in that when i was considering how this movie held up and how i would rate this movie now mm. i guess i was trying to look at it from within the context of is it an effective disaster movie i mean i'll say right out of the gate do i think it's a good movie it's adequate it's passable yeah it does 
its job as a disaster movie is what I would say. It's the film equivalent of the budget cast that we've talked about already. Yeah. It's sort of like the slightly cheap version of what it could be. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'm fine with that. And um, should we just get into talking about the stuff that we enjoyed about the movie? Because I feel like we're going in that direction anyway. I suppose so. Let's do it. Okay, so in terms of the things I enjoyed about this movie, first off, I want to say I actually pretty much enjoyed watching this movie all the way through. Again, for what it is, it kept me entertained. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that entertainment was (laughs) semi-ironic, but I don't see that as being to the movie's detriment. And I don't see that as necessarily a bad part of the movie. It was just sort of a part of what I found entertaining. But in terms of just like the objective good things... First and foremost, I think the concept is really cool. I think the idea of following a group of people who are like fanatically interested in chasing storms is a really original idea. And I think it offers some insight into a topic that at the time at least was really rarely explored. And uh, after watching the movie, I really wanted to hunt down some documentaries about actual storm chasers. Mm. And I just like that it does that thing of taking a really niche, nerdy area of interest and trying to make it really edgy and rock and roll. So it's basically doing for meteorology what Jurassic Park did for paleontology (laughs) or or what The Matrix did for computer hacking or even more recently what The Queen's Gambit did for chess. And I think there's something just really endearing about that where you take just like an incredibly geeky topic and you're just like making it super edgy and alternative and cool. And yeah, I just really liked that whole concept basically as a jumping off point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's sort of like... Because all the characters are super lame, aren't they? Like they are really super lame, but you sort of like the fact that they're so invested in their own little world that it sort of becomes entertaining to watch their interactions with each other. Yeah. Um, I think that the driving slash storm chase sequences are really competently made. Oh, yeah. You really get a good sense of, like, pace. Mm. Like, most of the movie takes place on the road, doesn't it? They're, like, always driving from one one place to another. And um, they've done a really good job of making those seem fast-paced and snappy Mm. and that they're actually driving at some relatively high speeds. So I thought that those sorts of sequences are really nicely made. Yeah, I mean, there's a weight to those sequences, Mm. isn't there? There's a lot of impact. I think the car stunts, like you said, are executed very well and uh, the practical elements of the movie like the weather effects are really great and they feel heavy you know so like there's a scene where there's these massive rocks of hail battering the cars and like the wind is constantly blustering them around and there is like I say a weight to those stunt sequences which I really enjoyed I think um, I want to go back to what you said about the characters just really quick I think you're right yeah they're they're sort of super nerdy and neurotic and a bit lame and (laughs) they're positioned as these like hippie meteorologists um i did enjoy that because i think the passion and the interest for the subject matter comes through in the script and through how the characters are presented so it really feels like someone who was working behind the scenes felt very strongly about this topic and i think the movie basically effectively convinces you that what they're doing is really exciting and exhilarating it manages to get you on board really quickly i think yeah well i did a bit of reading on it as well and um apparently they did lots of research into this subject material of of these storm chases and I think even members of the cast went out on actual storm chases Mm. with people who do it in real life 
and you get a real sense that that's happened like it's believable in the way that they operate i also really like how one of the movie's greatest strengths is i like that it focuses on smaller groups of people and their concerns as well as smaller locations so it really adds to the david and goliath dynamic and the stakes remain quite narrow in focus so what i mean is like whereas other disaster movies seem to want to do things on like as large a scale as possible and then at this moment my door opens and in rolls roland emmerich yeah exactly. to talk about why that's better than anything else <laughs> yeah exactly but I, I actually think it's so much easier to relate to a small town being flattened by a tornado rather than a city the size of new york being engulfed yeah. in like an icy tundra and it makes that sense of powerlessness feel a lot more real yeah but yeah so i think the scale of the stakes was really great it really worked to the movie's advantage um i mentioned this earlier i sort of alluded to it earlier but i like the cheesiness of the movie uh, okay this is stuff that may not typically fall under you know in quotes the good stuff and i'm not sure how aware the movie is of it but it doesn't seem to be taking itself too seriously which i like quite a lot i laughed quite a bit throughout the movie and again it was definitely in a semi-ironic way but it wasn't necessarily at the movie's expense so i thought the portrayal of bill the extreme <laughs> paxton <laughs> who throws bottles of whiskey into tornadoes yeah, yeah i love this portrayal of him as some kind of like meteorological prodigy yeah like a maverick yeah he's a maverick and i just think that was so hilarious it's like there's a scene where he grabs the dirt with his hands to sense the storm because he's just so in touch with nature <laughs> and then his fiance asked one of the other meteorologists is like so you're telling me billy knows what a storm is thinking you know <laughs> it was just the idea that he's just some kind of tornado rain man again no pun intended yeah exactly <laughs> Like, there's one point where the storm, I, sh I swear to God, the storm growls at one point. It's like, it almost behaves like a horror villain at points, doesn't it? Like in a slasher movie. Yeah. Little moments like that elevated the movie for me. I mean, maybe they're not technically good in like an objective sense, but they made it more entertaining for me. So they're on the good stuff list as far as I'm concerned. And that's what you want out of a disaster movie of this type, right? Is you want those sorts of things happening. The film exists solely for that spectacle of seeing these absurd things like you know having an oil tanker launched at your truck <laughs> as you're driving towards the storm like these little things are just are just sort of what you want and expect from a movie of this type the movie does not fuck around no do you know what i mean like it's like get in smash stuff get out yeah come up with a really flimsy premise doesn't matter blow up some houses and then end. Yeah. I appreciated that no bullshit approach that it was taking. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's like, we want an excuse to levitate a cow. Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> I think you're right. I think it is basically, it knows exactly what it is. It doesn't try to be overly ambitious with it in the same way that a Roland Emmerich movie might. Well, I'm just about to say, like, I watched 2012, regrettably, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And that is just so bloated mm. with trashy Roland Emmerich, like, pseudo-philosophy. Like, there's all of these, like, religious references to it. And it's just turgid filth. Yeah. And I hate it. And this movie, you know, is infinitely more entertaining. Um, um, because of its small scale compared to 2012, which is like a global destruction and it sucks. Yeah, exactly. And like all those movies like The the Day After Tomorrow as well, they always have like the main protagonist is some like plucky scientific underdog who somehow ends up in a room with the vice president and is trying to argue his case to like the highest echelons of the American government or whatever. Yeah. Whereas this is just like, it's just, it felt really grounded in the lives of these people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, Ollie. So before we go and talk about the things we enjoyed a little bit less about the movie, let's just touch on the CGI a bit. Obviously, we have to discuss it because one of the main reasons for this movie's existence is its ability to create spectacle through special effects. That's what yes. it was built on. That was what it was marketed as. It was like this special effects bonanza. So what were like the best and worst examples of CGI in the movie for you? Uh, my favourite example. I don't know if it's necessarily the best example. I mean, we don't really have criteria for what makes the best and worst, but I guess it's the bit that you noticeably like Bullcat for being terrible mm. and the bit that you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, it was really un- unbelievable, but I really did like the oil tanker being thrown through the air. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that was awesome, and and I've not seen it repeated since. Yeah. So I think, that, like, in its uniqueness, I quite liked that. My least favorite moment was actually the cow flying yeah. around. So, like, you know, they're both very unique, but I thought the oil tanker one was really quite. It was quite tense that bit actually, hmm. and I just really liked the visual of this giant truck being hurled through the air towards them. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really pick out any specific moments per se. I think the thing that I liked most about this movie, again, compared to something like 2012 or Day After Tomorrow, is that the CGI is obviously of its time. Parts of it have not aged well. I just thought the way the movie balanced the CGI and the practical effects was done fairly effectively. So any t- yeah. every time a piece of CGI caught me off guard and I was like, oh God, that looks really shaky. It would then switch to a practical version of that effect a lot of the time, yeah. which I thought was really cool. So there was one moment where a tree trunk... It's in, the, it's in the oil tanker sequence. Yeah, in the oil tanker sequence, there's a tree trunk being blown towards them and it's a CGI tree trunk and it looks fucking awful. And it's coming towards them, <laughs> but then it cuts and it's like an actual tree trunk. It gets lodged under their wheels and is pushing them along. And I just thought they knew sort of where to use practical effects, which I thought was good. Yeah. Um, so I don't have really any specific moments for like the best and the worst bits, just more that I thought the movie made decent enough decisions with its use of CGI. Yeah. It was relatively conservative in that regard, I think. Considering what the movie is, it showed restraint exactly where it needed to. But you're right, the cow looks ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Well, um, with that out of the way then, why don't we just talk a little bit about the things we enjoyed less in the movie? Why don't you tell me a bit about the bad stuff on your list? I mean, the main thing that I was trying to wrap my head around through the whole film was like, why aren't the authorities curbing this reckless behaviour? They are putting their own lives and the lives of other people firmly in danger. Mm. And none of the police force or the ambulance service that are present in the movie do anything about it. In fact, in the scene where Joe's aunt is buried under her house by a by a tornado that hits her, they're the ones that go in and rescue her from a collapsing building, not the, not the authorities. The fact, you know, that they're the first responders into a falling down house where the ambulance service just look on and don't do anything to help until they have to wheel her out on a gurney at the end of the sequence. I think I actually have an explanation as to why first responders barely seem to exist in this movie. And it is because, as far as I can tell, the plot armour on these characters is so thick that they are basically (laughs) invincible and therefore never need anyone to intervene on their behalf. And are clearly just like 
weirdly above the law yeah. and can do whatever the fuck they like. And I think I think the annoying thing about that as well is that our group of characters who we sympathise with, they're the ones that behave irrationally and, are, you know, like destroying farmland by driving through it and all of these really reckless behaviours. Mm. So I did, I did some reading on real life storm chasing and it's quite an unregulated field, to <laughs> yeah, be honest. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not under any strict legal sort of documentation or anything like that. But what was interesting reading up on these people is that they have quite a strong sort of in-house moral code Mm. attached to them. What they talk about in these articles is like safety and courtesy above all else. Mm -hmm. And you look at this film and actually the courteous safe ones are the people that we're meant to dislike. And the reckless, rude, obnoxious people are the ones that we follow. (laughs) So I was a little bit at odds with that. What I quite liked about this code of ethics that these real life storm chambers live by is that like first First and foremost, the thing that they talk about a lot is road safety. Because ironically, chasing deadly weather storms is not the largest killer in this field. Like, I think a vast majority of the deaths, real life deaths that have taken place chasing storms is because people have just driven into a brick fucking wall trying to chase them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not that the tornado has ripped them to shreds, it's that they've driven the wrong way up a highway and hit someone. That's also almost touched on in the movie, and I wrote this down in my notes as well, is like a large portion of the movie is dedicated to these meteorologists trying to ram each other off the roads. Yeah. It's like Mad Max. Yeah. They have all of these like sort of idiosyncratic vehicles that they're all driving that they all have like their names written on the side of them <laughs> yeah. and they're literally trying to ram each other off the road. It's so wild. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's so dumb. But I think like, yeah, that it was just a little bit jarring that, you know, the people were meant to dislike are the practitioners of weather chasing that is probably safer and more considerate than the ones of the of the protagonists. Yeah, that actually leads me on to a little point that I want to make as well, if that's all right with you. Um, I think one of my main issues with the movie is the presence and portrayal of Bill's fiance. Yeah, she was next on my list of people that were unfairly treated in the movie. Oh, this movie does her dirty. Like, does her dirty. Because you mentioned how basically the protagonists seem unlikable when compared to the antagonists of the movie. And she also does that. So she's basically introduced because the way the main story first begins is that Bill Paxton goes to meet his old storm chaser crew to get joe his ex-wife to sign divorce papers and he brings his new fiance along because because that's that's exactly who you want with you when you're getting your divorce papers signed from your impulsive ex-wife is you want to bring your new fiance who by all accounts is really lovely yeah really reasonable (laughs) really accommodating to a fault like and like but yeah so she absolutely does not need to be there and then uh, even at one point they're gonna sign the divorce papers but then they're like oh shit there's a thing that we need to go and do there's a storm we need to go and chase and bill's like oh i really want to go and then his fiance is like oh well you go and i'll you know i'll just chill here she actually says that she's like oh i'll just i'll just stay here you can go and then he's like no 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 come along and like she absolutely does not need to be there her only purpose as far as i can tell that she has two main reasons for existing uh, the first is to ask expository questions, which is obviously just yeah. fucking barely even needs to be covered. It's just super lazy. Yeah. She's the one that has no knowledge about meteorology, so she asks the yeah. obvious questions. Yeah, you always want one ignorant character yeah. in your film to explain what's going on to the dummies in the seats. Yeah, but it's done so badly in the sense that she's literally just sat in the back of the car at points while they're chasing fucking tornadoes, and she's just there going, what? Yeah, she's literally a spectator as we would be in the cinema, you know? Yeah, the other reason her character exists is the movie is attempting to 
juxtapose her with Joe in an attempt to make Joe look cool and desirable and to mm. make his fiance seem like a shrew by comparison. Yeah. And so the movie wants to use her as a way for the audience to root for Joe and Bill's relationship, but ultimately the opposite ends up happening because to me, like you said, <laughs> she seems incredibly reasonable and accommodating and Joe and Bill end up looking like total dicks because they're just constantly eye-fucking each other in front of her. Yeah, and they act so selfishly. Like, his character arc is he's fallen off the wagon. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's gone back to his, his crack addiction, which is in this film chasing deadly weather yeah. and he just sort of puts not only his life but his new fiance's life in danger to do it she's dragged into mortal danger and she just yeah. she's not fine with it but she's very understanding about it as far as i'm concerned the woman is a saint and it's like um after the encounter with the first tornado this just sort of really illustrates what a dickhead bill paxton's character is after the first encounter with the tornado his fiance says this is not okay none of this is okay and like and then bill paxton says christ i'm sorry honey i didn't think and i'm like you didn't think there might be an issue with driving full tilt into the path of a tornado with your fiance who has no experience with this in the car and that's given even more like dickhead status by the fact that immediately in the next scene they're doing the same thing again <laughs> like he's like oh, i didn't think i'm so sorry anyway next one let's go but yeah she's she's a lovely character she's lovely and she's like you know well educated pretty like you said accommodating yeah. friendly like she's trying to do her job as a as a marriage counselor or whatever or like a psychologist or something she's doing that job and being really nice to the people on the end of the phone while she's in the midst of being ripped to shreds by a tornado <laughs> yeah. like bless her heart man and even the way she breaks up with him is insanely reasonable and like he does not deserve it because she's just like look it's fine you go you go be with your ex who you've been eye fucking the entire time time yeah. and flirting with the entire time it's fine you have my blessing to go and be this storm chasing maniac and she's just <laughs> super nice about it but like i feel like the film still wants you to side with joe and bill against her she's meant to look like a shrew but the fact that she's on the same page as bill is sort of used to excuse his really shitty behavior towards her mm. she didn't want to be with him either so it's fine yeah but that was gripe number one that i had with the movie the way her character was treated and just the existence of her character generally in that scenario she did not need to be there no not at all i don't think anything would have been lost from her being removed we don't even really need the divorce papers being signed thing to take no. place like we could just have them being the argumentative couple that yeah. they are throughout the whole film we don't need any of that preamble of him <laughs> him being a weatherman now <laughs> which is like you know which is a lame job for lame people <laughs> yeah, yeah. like he's no longer naked throwing whiskey into storms like he's actually just on the television what a wanker yeah uh, and, and they mock his fucking wife's job as well his fiance they mock his fiance's job as well like the highly qualified professional like what bullshit is that get in my rv and we'll go driving recklessly the wrong way up a road <laughs> you want to marry a therapist that's lame come on we'll work out my daddy issues by chasing this natural phenomenon <laughs> like <laughs> 
Oh, God. Oh, dear. Yeah, so that was number one for me on my bad stuff. Uh There was only one other real point for me, which was the main characters all have an absolutely absurd amount of plot armor. Yeah. And there was a few moments in the film where I was wondering how so many of them were able to survive these, like, extreme encounters with the tornadoes. And Mm. the problem with that is there aren't really any emotional stakes in the movie. Um, So there is a scene. There was a scene where, you know, the drive-in movie theater gets destroyed. Yeah. And they all take shelter and somehow all survive. Like one of them gets injured. But I was literally thinking, how are none of these characters dead yet? And then it cuts to Aunt May. And I literally wrote in my notes, I I wrote, Christ, they're going to kill the old lady, aren't they? Because I was wondering, (laughs) I was like, where are the emotional stakes in this movie? How are they going to pluck my emotional heartstrings? Yeah, and then they cut to her hard cut to her in the house and I was like oh shit they're gonna kill the old lady and the dog and the dog they're gonna kill the old lady and the dog but nope she somehow survives an entire house falling literally on top of her and she's got like a huge wooden beam crushing her chest and her ribcage but no she's fine I think the reason for that is like you called it plot armor but I think the reason for that is um, to get round certification but the thing is though there are three deaths in the movie the dad dies in the prologue where he hilariously gets sucked into the tornado and it just looks (laughs) ridiculous and then those two opposing meteorologists die as well and I think you know the death of the old lady of Aunt May or any of the other protagonists wouldn't have to be especially brutal it wouldn't have to undermine the PG rating it would just add a bit more emotional weight to the movie i think yeah raise the stakes yeah exactly raise the emotional stakes but instead no they've got the single most resilient old woman of all time it would seem (laughs) and like she could survive a house falling on top of her um and then at the end of the movie this was the only other point that i wrote down of really egregious plot armor was bill and joe when they tie themselves to that pipe with the leather strap they are quite literally flapping in the funnel of the tornado (laughs) like a pair of jeans and they are not hit by a single piece of debris and they're actually again to make that even more absurd they walk into this barn (laughs) where they tie themselves to the pipe and it's a barn full of sharp objects like they actually make a point of looking at the wall i think uh, helen hans is something like who are these people because it cuts to the wall and there's like knives and swords and like i think there's like a reaper scythe on the wall like they're actually in the worst possible location for strong winds because you're gonna get like projectile knives flying at you but not one of them even remotely scratches them it's fucking hilarious yeah it's like ridiculous i've never i mean and that probably explains why they're able to so recklessly throw themselves into these (laughs) tornado situations because they know nothing's gonna happen to them and it's not it's not only the characters that have that plot armor as well like in my one sentence synopsis i said that it's demonstrating how resilient chevy trucks are like those vehicles are the like akin to tanks (laughs) they take so much punishment like Seymour Hoffman's character is driving like what is essentially like a camper van right and he's driving it at high speeds through a cornfield and like through ditches and water and it's just like shrugging it off like it's not happened it's madness that they're able to do that yeah and also there's a a Labrador along for the ride with them as well towards the back half of the movie (laughs) that somehow doesn't completely 
completely have a meltdown and scratch out the driver's eyes. Can you imagine trying to take a fucking dog into the heart of a tornado? It's like completely ridiculous. Oh, man. The thing is, I've got these things written down on the bad stuff on my list. I mean, the way that the character of the wife was handled sort of bothered me. But other than that, nothing about this movie really offended my sensibilities or anything. No. It's pretty harmless for the most part. And it's like, you know, entertaining enough. Yeah. But was there anything else major on your list that you had? Well, can we talk about Bill Paxton? Yes, let's talk about Bill Paxton. Rest in peace, obviously. So Bill Paxton plays film hero man in this film, (laughs) doesn't he? And I just, whenever he was on screen, I wanted to punch him in the face, (laughs) like super badly. And I think that uh, the reason for this, it may not be poor old Bill's fault, actually. I think it might be the script's fault Mm. because the character that he's being asked to play is deeply unlikable and nearly everything that comes out of his mouth is irritating. Oh, it's definitely down to the poor scripting. He comes across as really insecure and really self-centered and obnoxious and there's one moment that i fucking hated and it is a massive gripe of mine when movies do this and it is when joe and bill are in the car for the first time together and he has this argument with joe that completely comes out of nowhere like it's really weird it's it's totally just a way for the script to force conflict and bill paxton's character just comes across as like super defensive like from the moment he gets into the car with her and her character even says i'm just trying to make perfectly civil conversation with you and it's so (laughs) true there's a moment where she goes so your fiance seems nice like what does she do and bill paxton just goes I don't want to fight. Yeah, he just jumps straight down her throat, doesn't he? Yeah. And she's literally like, oh, your fiance's nice. <laughs> What's her job? And then when he's like, she's a psychiatrist, Joe's like, oh. And he's like, what, what? You think I'm crazy? You think I'm crazy for dating a psychiatrist? She's not my psychiatrist. Blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, you are a maniac. You're a fucking maniac. Like, yeah, so totally agree. Uh, Bill Paxton's character is an asshole, but admittedly, some of the lines that he says throughout the movie did give me a good. Good old chuckle. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm pretty much done unless you had anything else you wanted to add. No, um, I think I'm good. Let's talk about the things that we would change about this movie. Okay, Ollie, what would you change to improve this movie? Well, we sort of picked up on it already, but I would really just make the characters who we are meant to sympathise with a little bit less reckless. It comes across in the narrative as tomfoolery and having this bravado around it, but actually what it really is is like wholeheartedly irresponsible. Like I mentioned earlier about the about the real life storm chasers and this is in an article and it's a beautifully named article by someone called Charles A. Doswell III which is amazing as a name. (laughs) It's from April 2009 and it's an article called Storm Chasing with Safety, Courtesy and Responsibility. Right, yeah. Right, so real life storm chasers their three things are safety, courtesy, and responsibility. And you would argue that our characters have none of those three things yeah. at any point in this film. So I think you need to give them a little bit more doubt in what they are doing and, like, do the ends justify the means? And it's only really minutely touched upon in the film. Like you mentioned earlier, they have far too much plot armour. And I think that, for example, let's say Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, maybe he just gets killed by a tornado. Do you know what I mean? And then they're like, oh, shit, like, maybe we shouldn't be behaving in the way that we're behaving because people who are close to us are losing their lives. Imagine the emotional resonance it would have if that lovable scamp, Philip Seymour Hoffman, is killed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
you're right, having a, a seed of doubt there. I mean, you could even follow the narrative idea of Bill Paxton being a bit of an asshole and being a bit of a reckless character. Yeah. And his peers sort of seem to worship him as this like prodigal son kind of figure and maybe have them sort of like follow him into danger because they trust him only to have that trust kind of questioned at times because of his behaviour. So yeah, that's definitely a change that I agree with. Um, did you have any other ones? I would ditch Bill's fiance um, as a character and I would also ditch the, the techno gang that are rivals with them because I don't think they really have any place in this movie. Like, if you think about it in real terms for the narrative, they do not serve any purpose whatsoever. No, they don't. They feel super underdeveloped, actually. Yeah, and and what I thought would be interesting, maybe focus on Joe, focus on Helen Hunt's character because I think there's some distance you can run with that character for sure. And maybe she's having the dilemma of, do I continue with this reckless, gung-ho, unofficial chasing of these storms, i.e. do I keep following Bill Paxson and his asshole ways or do I maybe become more of this corporate storm chaser far more you know <laughs> safe and far more reasonable and like give her the dilemma of like not wanting to continually follow Bill Paxson's character mm. and I think that would work far more effectively in terms of a character development because she has to be on the fence about both like you need a certain amount of recklessness mm. in order to achieve your aims but you should also not do it at the expense of other people's lives well you actually raise an interesting point there which uh, made me think of another one you could just literally do away with Bill Paxton's character like get rid of Bill Paxton and have like you say the movie be about Joe's narrative and about Joe's journey the movie would actually be way more effective if she was the protagonist than not the love interest you know yeah. and she was the one making these reckless decisions she had this band of really loyal followers and then having someone like Philip Seymour Hoffman get killed because of her actions would add a whole other dimension to the movie. Well, this is what I mean by, like, if you kept, let's let's keep Bill Paxton in there and he's the leader of the group and Joe is part of that group, but slowly over the course of the movie, she realises that his methods are irresponsible and therefore she then starts questioning him. Mm. And maybe you have in, you know, at the start of the third act, maybe he goes, oh yeah, actually, you know what, you're right, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character has been killed that's all my fault i can't be the leader anymore mm. i can't do this you need to take over and joe being the far more reasonable reserved one then leads them to success through more um, logical methods yeah and then finds the peace and the closure that she needs not through yeah. behaving self-destructively but through actually being productive and being ethical and yeah yeah exactly Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that as a general restructuring. Um, so I guess, Ollie, the final question we need to answer is, do you need rose-tinted specs to appreciate this movie, or do you think it holds up on its own terms? Um, I think it's an interesting question for this particular movie because I didn't have a massive nostalgic attachment to it beforehand. So that wasn't really in the back of my mind while I was watching it so much. And assuming that I did have that nostalgia, I think this movie would still be relatively enjoyable without it. 
So I think it does hold up, and I think good evidence for it holding up is if you compare it to other movies of the same genre from, you know, the mid-2000s. I'm thinking, again, 2012 here. Mm. And like that is such a giant pile of steaming horseshit. Like, <laughs> compared to this movie, which is slightly less so, I don't know. I, I, think, I think that it's a good disaster movie that definitely does hold up on its own. I don't, I don't think you need nostalgia to watch it. Yeah, I think I'd agree wholeheartedly. I'd actually echo what you're saying, um, it was a bit of a funny one because I also, beyond the VHS cover, I guess, <laughs> didn't have any nostalgia for it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so I was just going into it as a blank slate and I was trying to be objective because, like I said, it's not really my kind of movie. It's not a fantastic movie. To be fair, it's relatively forgettable, isn't it, really? Oh, it's completely forgettable. But do I think it does the job of what it sets out to do? Yes, I do. So yeah, I would say you don't need the rose-tinted specs to appreciate it. I enjoyed it, and I would have no problem recommending someone watch this if they just need a dumb movie on like a dreary Sunday afternoon or whatever. <laughs> when the weather's bad outside, just to add to the effect, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, cool. Well, I guess we can just wrap it up there then. As always, I want to thank Dilettante for letting us use their song My Dress as our theme tune. But yeah, I have been Paddy. And I've been Ollie. And we have been Rose Tinted. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you all next time. Bye.